Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok. You're tuned in to our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us in the studio, I've got two entrepreneurs that want to do just that. But like I've joked about before, I guess I need to call this our worldwide search because they're joining us from Nanaimo, British Columbia. We've got Heather and Anne. They're with Caliber Leadership Systems. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us, John. Great to be here. Hey, I'm happy to be here, John. It is my pleasure to have y'all. This is our first um, you know, three-person podcast in our virtual studio. Normally, uh, the ones that happen on these virtual studios are two people only. So it's going to be an interesting episode to get the perspective from both of y'all, especially being a mother-daughter team. I can just imagine that there is some uh, fireworks that happen behind the scenes that we just don't even know about. So I can't wait to crack into all that stuff. But before we do, we always start out with an icebreaker question. And today's question is, imagine you could teleport anywhere. Where would you go right now? Wonderful. I would be in Hawaii (laughs) working from a villa on the beach, talking to you from there, out of the rain that we're having in Nanaimo. (laughs) Yeah, anywhere but the rain, I guess, would be your answer. But yeah, Hawaii, I'd be jealous. I would be super jealous. Yeah, I think I think my pick would be Switzerland, because that to me is a, one of those places where everything feels so magnificent. And, and you really sort of get this um, perspective of how unbelievable the world can be and, and sort of all of the possibilities. That's what makes me sort of that's always my sort of happy place to head off to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, I've, I've not been to either location. So those are definitely two places I want to visit. I've heard great things about them. Um, but I don't know. I think probably the UK for me, It's it's been kind of a bucket list trip that I've wanted to go on forever. And I just haven't, um, you know, of course, like most of us, like 60 percent of my uh, ancestry comes from there. So that's a big part of my makeup. Um, so, you know, it's definitely somewhere I want to kind of go visit and see along with all the places that, you know, my heritage kind of draws from right around the corner there with, um, you know, Scotland and Wales and uh, Ireland and just all of those places would be a great place. So I think if I could teleport somewhere, considering how expensive travel is from the U.S. to the U.K., I would probably teleport there just so that I can save on that airfare for sure. Awesome. Well, we are here to talk about y'all. That's a Texas term for you there if you haven't heard it before. Uh, we're here to talk about y'all. We're here to talk about caliber leadership systems. So let's just start with your origin story. Who are y'all and where'd you come from? So I'll, uh, I'll kick off with that. So, uh, as you alluded to, Anne and I are a mother daughter team, but we have a little bit of a different backstory. Uh, Anne was on the cusp of her 17th birthday when she had me, um, and then put me up for adoption. 
So I was raised by an adoptive family and she and I met 27 years later. Um, and uh, so a little bit of a different journey. And then we started our business together. We became entrepreneurs together three years later. Um, and uh, so that's a big part of sort of our story of origin, sort of nature versus nurture conversations um, and sort of that wiring in. I grew up in an environment where, you know, People had jobs, uh, although my adoptive mom was a piano teacher, so somewhat of an entrepreneur in her own particular way. Um, and uh, so for me, it's sort of coming into that decision of Anne and I found ourselves having similar interests, different backgrounds, and just a real passion to go out there and, and help people. And, and to um, just to add a bit of, of difference in, in my story, my father was an entrepreneur. He was a furrier, having come over from Greece and finding his way He in, at a time when it was okay to be a furrier. It's not so much now. But he was an entrepreneur, and he worked all the time. And my mother did not want any of us to be entrepreneurs. However, I, I didn't like working for anyone and I had some real issues around, you know, getting, getting jobs and doing, doing the work faster than what the company wanted me to do <laughs> and being told to slow down, things like that, or not, my ideas not being accepted. And so I very early in my late 20s went out on my own, first as a massage therapist, later as a psychotherapist. And then I worked my way into executive coaching, just deciding I want to do this because it wasn't a really an occupation as it is the, these days. It wasn't as common to be a leadership coach. And, and so I started doing that. And this was just before I met Heather. Um, and we came together with two very different um, upbringings, two very different skill sets in terms of what we were bringing to the table her with more of an organizational design consulting performance systems and myself on the personal psychological side of, you know, why do leaders behave the way they do? Why do employees not like working for certain leaders, et cetera? And what do we do about all of the complaining that's going on that where people are really unhappy and coming together and getting to know each other, we were able to really build on you know, we didn't have a relationship, you know, Heather didn't need a mother you know, at that time in her life. And so we simply built from there on our common ground and our common interests. Yeah. What an interesting story. I mean, to, first of all, I guess my first question, if I'm not prying too much is how did y'all wind up meeting and coming together after all those years? So for, for me, it was, um, you know, I was my adoptive mom. There were, I grew up with two other adoptive siblings. So it was a common conversation in our household. You know, you're a gift and, you know, you have, you know, biological family out there. And if at any point in time you decide you want to pursue it, you know, go for it, right? There was never any sort of hesitation around that. It was very lots of transparency around it in in my upbringing. Um, and I guess the catalyst for me was more. I was about to get married, and I thought mm, medical records. You know, those. But I hadn't quite said I was all in. I thought I was going to put my toe in the water a little bit, saying, "Oh, let me, you know, check this out and see if I can get a little bit more information about my my uh, family of origin, um, my biological family." And uh, instead of getting my medical records, I got a call saying, "Hey." hey, we've already notified your uh, grandmother and your mother that you've been in contact with the agency. <laughs> 
and so it was like a little bit of a fast forward. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so that for on, on my side was that I finally hit a point in my life where I, I, I think to a degree, I felt I could really sort of justify it and rationalize why I was sort of taking this step. Um, and, and so the experience was, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of envision what the experience will be like until you sort of walk into it. Right. Yeah. I mean, probably the first time you've ever been through something like that for sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's that, what that's going to be like. And we joke about it, but God, what a, what a thing to think about. Right. Because I mean, I'm sure having not been through this scenario myself that, you know, you probably had some thoughts of like, well, why was I adopted out and why, you know, and why does she want to connect with me now? And how will that relationship look? And what a just different way to meet your parent. And, you know, my similar story would just be, uh, my dad had a child after my half sister that was uh, from his side and then before me. So he's, you know, right there in the middle and um, we never knew about it until we were older and he came to us and was like, Hey, I think I may have this kid out there. I'm not sure. And I, I want to find out how I can contact, um, you know, the mom or, or this son. And he was like, I think his name is Sean. And uh, which is funny because my name's John. And then my sister is Shauna, uh, one of my sisters. And then my brother is Sean. And it was something that we tried to, you know, figure out where he was. We often joked about like going on Jenny Jones or something back in the day and having a, a little sign that says like, hey, we're looking for this, you know, kid that is now probably older and maybe named Sean and grew up in Florida or was born in Florida and this whole thing. And um, it's just not something we were ever to, able to kind of find, you know, because we didn't have that convenience of records on file at the agency. Um so we were just doing it like a grassroots way. And then, you know, one day I took a, an ancestry test and I think a year or two later, my brother took an ancestry test and then he popped up as related to me with a very strong relation. And he called me and was like, Hey, how do you know, Gary Kelly? And that was my dad's name. Uh, my dad had passed by that time. And, uh, I was like, that's my dad. Why? And he was like, man, I think you're, I'm your brother. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know, so I can kind of feel the sentiment of what y'all went through of, you know, whatever the circumstances were, there was a separation. And then later in life, it was like, we want to reconnect and find each other. And what a, what an awesome thing. Like what an awesome origin story to not only find each other, but then be in that different, like you said, it wasn't a true, I'm your parent raising you relationship. It was, Hey, I'm your biological mother. And then y'all got to expand on your relationship in a way that no other mother and child ever has before. So when I saw mom and, and daughter team, I never thought that we would go this route with the podcast. This is such a great story. This is exactly what we're looking for on the show. So thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. So um, y'all meet back up and just quickly, like, what did that kind of look like as far as, you know, just kind of taking those teetering, tottering little steps out on that ledge and figuring out what it was going to look like to know each other. Well, the, the, the other interesting piece about this was we lived on opposite sides of the country. And so Heather lived in Vancouver, British Columbia at the time, and I lived in Toronto. And so we had some conversations on the phone and we swapped pictures so, so that we could see what each other looked like and pictures of the family, et cetera. And then my husband and I came out and met Heather and her um, fiance. And we just had a week together where we started to get to know each other. And, and of course, for, for us, because we, because of, 
our personality types, we very quickly started talking about our work. And, and then it proceeded from there. And, to, and so hey, the, that, that was the first step. And that was very exciting and anxiety producing and all, all kinds of things like that. It was nice to have the buffer of our, our uh, partners with, with us. And then Heather came back to meet the extended family. And Heather tells the great story of the, the meeting of the extended family. Yeah, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of this strange experience because, you know, you grew up when you're adopted, you grow up, nobody looks like you, nobody talks like you, nobody, you, you know, it's like you, you just, you're in a collection of individuals, right? And especially with two adopted siblings. Um, and then when I met uh, Anne's siblings, Anne's got a, a large family, um, uh, and we went for it was just a bit of a shock to the system because I was looking in the faces of people who looked like me for the first time in my life and talked like me, had mannerisms like me, tone of voice like me. And and so it was sort of this, <laughs> wow, this is like I, I feel a place where I sort of belong um, from a physical perspective, whereas, you know, and even from a, an, an intellectual perspective or a personality perspective, right? Because more of the family was like me, but, but her brother, I guess, he, you know, just sort of sat there staring at me. Like it was like, you know, 27 years, I've been waiting for this moment and here you are. And I don't know what to do about this moment. Right. But to sit here and stare at you. Right. It was so, so every, I think everyone in the family sort of went through a bit of a, a different um, experience because it wasn't a, it wasn't a secret in Anne's family that she had had me and placed me for adoption. And so everybody knew about it. Everybody would often wonder about where I was and what I was up to. And so, um, but, but I think for me, it was, you, you know, sort of this unreal experience of walking, you know, walking through that looking glass and going, I'm, I'm in an alternate universe for the first time in my life where I, I actually can see the connection I have with other human beings that are walking on this planet, right? And, and I think there's an element of it where, you know, in your family, in your, in your own story of origin, there's limitations that you sort of get placed on you or you, you're in your mind because of, you know, your upbringing and, and how you're parented and all of a sudden stepping into this other place and saying, actually, genetically, I'm, I'm more like these people. And wow, look at all the cool things they're doing. Right. And, and so it opens up this other world of possibility where you start to think that, you know, that that's not necessarily who or what I have to be just because that was the family in which I was raised. What an interesting way to, to think about that too. Cause I mean, I had that same experience with my brother he came down and, and I don't know what I was expecting, but I think probably something that you had run through your mind was just like, it's not going to feel like family because how can it, we weren't raised together. We're not the same, you know, because like you said, nature versus nurture, I wasn't brought up in the same environment and everything else, but we often, I think, forget that it's like, well, you know, you share something a lot deeper than just living with each other for 27 years. You share genetics and it's amazing how, I saw my brother and I saw the same exact thing that you described. I saw my dad. I saw me. I saw our mannerisms. I saw the fact that my sister rides motorcycles. I ride motorcycles. My dad rode motorcycles. And guess what my brother does? He's a motorcycle mechanic, owns a motorcycle shop and rides motorcycles. And it's like just those weird little things of, of you kind of think to yourself, like, how in the hell did you being born in Florida and now living in Kentucky get the same exact things that dad gave us. And it's like, well, genetics, duh, you know, and it's such a, uh, a psychological and sociological uh, thought there of just how those things work biologically. And then in our brains, you know, that, that big argument, nature versus nurture is a, 
a two clashing theories that come together and say, well, you're taught or you, you inherit. And it's like, well, you know, somewhere in there is to me a fine balance of between the two, but it's like so much just naturally occurred in that man and in, in myself and my sister and my father, that it's like, there's a lot more, I think, to um, that nature than we really understand. And, and I'm sure with your degree, that's something you're even more well-versed in than I've could ever be with my high school AP psychology, you know? So, uh, wow. Just one of the most interesting origin stories we've had on that's, that's so killer. Um, so this turned into a conversation about work, which I can feel that because oftentimes my personal life does that too. Um, which probably showed some similarity similarities between you two of, you know, being able to kind of bring that work home and talk about it. What were y'all doing at the time separately? So, so the work I was doing, I had a psychotherapy practice and I had found my way into, because so many of my psychotherapy clients would complain about the leaders in their organization and the, not being able to do anything about it. And because um, I had had a background myself in, you know, management and, and being a director of a clinic, um, I decided that I was going to find my way into working with leaders because I wanted to more specifically have have the kind of impact you can have in an organization when you're working with the, the person who influences the employee experience. And, and so I was doing, I, I had a separate practice for leadership coaching as well as for, for psychotherapy. And, and most of my work was around behavior, personality type, understanding how our brain is organized and, and the impact that that has on how, how we naturally, naturally lead people, as well as some of the blind spots that we natu naturally have as a result of our personality type. U using um, At the time, I was using the Myers-Briggs type indicator as the instrument that, that we use to determine what kind of leadership style and what kind of complaints uh, the employees would have <laughs> as a result of them having that style. And and my I had come up a little bit of a different approach. I went to business school uh, for my uh, university degree here in Canada, and I was working for a uh, human resources consulting firm. And but our my specialty was on designing and implementing systems in organizations that were designed to get people to perform and behave in a particular way. So how we compensate and reward them, how we manage their performance, what we do from a development perspective. We were starting to put our toe a little bit into some of the work around leadership behavior. But what we were finding is as in the work that we were doing there, we were running up against resistance. We were running up against entitlement and other employee emotions that, that the systems weren't always getting the traction that theoretically they should get, quote unquote, you know, in, in that idea of, well, if we create the perfect reward system, then then it's going to motivate and drive a particular behavior. And, and so that was part of where, you know, I came into the conversation with Anne about my frustration is we would do all of this work and then the leaders couldn't do what they needed to do in order to actually bring about the behavioral or the cultural or the performance change that they were really looking for. And so, so I had this frustration in that we, we weren't 
doing, there was something that was missing in the work we were doing. And because of she was working individually with folks, she was finding that a different frustration in that she couldn't get up, go after the collective. And so it was sort of this, oh, wow, let's put the people side, which is Anne's expertise against the system side, which is my expertise. And we can create better results if we bring these two elements together in the work we do with our organizational clients. I mean, of course, that's the story because we could not have such an interesting origin story of two people separated and wind up being just alike without it just saying, oh yeah. And then our puzzle pieces just fit perfectly. I, I love this though. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how you call it like manifest destiny or fate or, you know, whatever it is, there was just some type of like divine intervention of this is just how it's supposed to be. So is that where y'all just kind of realized, holy crap, there's a way that we can kind of work together. Yeah, with a couple of bumps. I mean, I'll often sort of refer, say, make the comment that Anne had me intentionally because I'm I'm sort of the yin to her yang, right? So that, you know, our, our personalities are similar yet different. And so when we put the two together, it's like this amplify. I amplify all of her creative uh, capability and her ability to, to build and to, to systems and, you know, the work that she does. The, um, uh, but with a few bumps along the way, I got pregnant first um, and, and realized that, you know, having a kid uh, trying to navigate this relationship with my new family, which was back in Toronto, um, and the hours that I was putting in in my consulting practice with uh, the company I was working with just wasn't playing out. So I, we, my husband and I thought, wait, let's move. We've got a kid. Let's move back to Toronto and, you know, be around family and, and raise our child around family. And that lasted, I think, about four months. <laughs> And the job I'd taken was not what I wanted. And, and, and we both really wanted to go back to, to Vancouver. And, and so I was a little bit sort of adrift in that, you know, my son was six months old and it was like, do I go back and work for someone again? What do I do? And that was what prompted the conversation between Anne and I. And Anne's like, well, why don't you just, you know, essentially when you're a consultant, I mean, I was bringing in my own clients. I was managing my own clients. I had my own portfolio of business inside of the consulting firm that I was working for. And it was sort of like, why don't you just do this on your own? And better yet, why don't we do this together? And it was sort of like, oh yeah, totally. That's a no brainer. Great. Let's go. And that was it. Like that was literally about the amount of thought that went into this because it just was like, yep, this fits. Let's go. Right. And here we are 25 years later. Wow. And I mean, it, it does. It makes perfect sense. It fits. Um, it's just sometimes I guess we have to be led to that scenario, you know. Uh, so that's where you just kind of started with caliber leadership systems and just kind of put the two together. Um, what does that business look like now? Who is your client and, and what type of services are you providing exactly for that client? Well, the, this brings us to a whole other aspect of what our Heather and my name, uh, Heather and I were very different, but we're very similar in that we keep liking to evolve what we do. And, and in, in particular, in, in the course of our evolution, we go back and forth between, you know, my interest in the, in the personal and, and the deep, that deeper development of people and consciousness. And, and, and so we, the two of us prompted by an article that I wrote for Oprah magazine, the two of us put our heads together and developed the striving styles personality system because we were seeing limitations to the Myers-Briggs. It didn't go deep enough into 
um, into the emotional drivers of people's behavior. And so we created a system that incorporated that. And as Heather talked about that yin and yang, I'm the internal, she's the external. And Heather would take it out into businesses and, and put it into the business in the context of, you know, doing um, leadership offsites and um, team building using our system and, and, and Heather's capacity for delivering talks on brain and behavior is absolutely phenomenal. And so, so Heather's taking it out into the world while at the same time, caliber leadership um, with Heather, with Heather's expertise does everything from which she's trying to let go of compensation systems and the performance and reward. And, you know, but, but ultimately it's taking, taking, taking people in an organization and helping them evolve and achieve their potential through deepening their own understanding of how they're getting in their own way and how they're creating dysfunction as opposed to creating strong systems and developing leadership capacity themselves. And Heather, if you want to jump in on that. We do. Mostly today we work with entrepreneurs, so founder-led organizations, family uh, or organizations where it might be, you know, second or third generation that that's leading it because, you know, again, as entrepreneurs ourselves, it's, you know, you can sort of go in and relate to these folks and, and the fact that you're the growth of your business is so interconnected with your growth as a human being. Um, and we, a lot of the clients that we work with are entrepreneurs or that kind of the tier that works underneath the entrepreneur that keep running up into limitations. Even though on the surface, the organization might be successful, they keep running into these limitations because as Anne said, they can't get out of their own way, right? So there's the leader who just, the entrepreneurial leader who won't quite grow up and keeps creating chaos in their business and fighting fires and just as they're they think the fire's out they go and create another one um you know by by coming up with another idea or dropping something else in having having difficulty with it and so we get to work on multiple fronts in that case right where you know Anne's working one-on-one -on -one, uh with the individuals with the um entrepreneur with their executive team i work with them as a collective and we look at all of those systems and practices and behaviors that fundamentally keep the organization stuck or from achieving its potential and in for some of our clients what it looks like is simply as just even helping them sometimes to write a business plan, to get into that practice of saying, defining this is what we expect. I have one of our clients that we've been working with for, for many years, as we do with most of our, our organizations, you know, for the, they have a really, really high orientation towards quality, but as they've grown, it's gotten diluted. And, and there's, you know, often as, as leaders are, they can be really afraid to kind of put their, draw those lines in the sand. So we've helped them to really come out with clear statements and expectations and non-negotiable so that people underneath them can actually align to what is the expectation because right now they've got a whole bunch of people running around doing whatever they feel like doing. So these are the kinds of things where we're in sort of helping the organization move from what we call sort of adolescence where they're still kind of acting out and, and problems and, and challenges in the business into kind of a little higher level of maturity and, and adulthood as we like to refer to it. But 
And that's probably kind of our, our, when we look at it on the organizational level, where we get the most uh, enjoyment, but also where we have the biggest impact for our clients. Um, but we continue to do, and we'll always continue to do work with individuals, which is more about helping those uh, who are interested in their own development, their own success personally and professionally to help them to, to kind of find that place again, based on their personality, their brain organization. Um, and so our, our expanse is quite broad and that's because Anne and I like to do lots of different things <laughs> just to keep ourselves interested. Typical entrepreneur, right? It's like, oh, I'm, I'm, that's boring. I want to do something new. Yeah. What else can we learn? What else can we add? What else can we incorporate, right? It's a battle I fight every single day and it's why I have multiple jobs as well as owning a business because I get bored, you know, and it's it's like you can always find I don't care if it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes of time somewhere each night to start a new project and then have that as something you're going to do from now on. And it's like, well, I'm spending, you know, 18, 19 hours out of my day doing something, you know, each, each section of those hours has something that's for that only. And then at the end of it, it's like, well, I wonder why I don't get much sleep at night. Oh yeah. Cause I stayed up till midnight working on something and then woke up at six to get started again. Yeah. I yeah. feel that a hundred percent. So, and I I have to guess that you have read uh, Eric Burns' book, Dr. Burns' book, uh, in 1964, he wrote, called Games People Play. And it seems like that basically y'all's kind of leadership practice is, I would say, closely related to that book and his thought process of that adult parent and child ego state and just kind of how that relates to what type of leader you are. Um, it's just a book that I've been excited about because I've, I've taught, um, some communication stuff and mainly when it comes to like, I guess what we would just call, um, nonviolent dispute resolution. And I've referred to that book quite often just because of those different ways that people, uh, talk and they don't understand, you know, quite frankly, that we are playing these different games to get what we want. I mean, even in sales, you know, as a salesman, there's games that I employ in order to, coerce someone and persuade someone into doing what I want or purchasing what I want them to purchase or, you know, whatever that case may be. Um, so is that kind of where the coaching aspect comes in is I could bring you into my organization and say, train me to be a better leader and to implement some of these psychological practices behind it? Or is it just more based on, uh, I know, kind of like that collective of just getting the team to work together and solve problems together? Well, I, I think there's um, a couple of different answers to that, but but the way our system differs is, you, you know, we have unconscious behaviors as as Burn Burn talked about as well, but but in the striving styles we talk about the self protective system of the brain or the persona, the ego persona that that people don't even realize that they're stuck in and that they're hiding behind this. They have an authentic self and a, that, that they're not activating out of fear. And this persona is really limiting because they have to keep protecting it. And this is where the games come in. And when we say games, it's not like in sales where you know you're applying a tactic <laughs> for a particular result. That when yeah. we're, we're self-protective and, and each style has a different way of being self-protective, when we are in that state, we don't know that we're doing it. We don't know that we have options and that we don't know even that we have the power to be authentic in a conversation. And when we work with leaders in particular, they really do have this fixed idea that they have to be nice 
you know, and, and they have to get their employees to like them, especially these days, and they get stuck there and they become ineffective as a result of that. And the, one of the reasons why we wrote the book, So You Think You Can Lead, was to actually give leaders the, this formula for, you know, if you're an employee, you've just brought them on, you're teaching them, this is how you behave. If they're at the next stage, if they know how to do it, they have to practice and you have to do that so, so that it's formulaic. And, and so you take the personality out of it by putting in a system for both developing employees and learning how to take different approaches yourself as a leader. And, and so, you know, yes and no to your, to your question that there is a bit of, you know, you have to come out of your child as a leader and actually take responsibility for being the adult in the relationship, you see, because if you don't, then the kids will run the candy store. We often use that example. Permissive leadership is certainly about letting the employees run the show. And, and that means that, that the leader, the adult has absented themselves from their their own responsibility of their role. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to get a copy of this book because uh, so full time I work as a, a firefighter. I'm a lieutenant on a fire truck. So I have kind of like the first step in leadership within the fire department itself. Um, and, you know, it, it's a very real thing that I constantly think about every single day. I've taken tons of leadership courses um, like y'all. I am one of those, I jokingly say, you know, we're nerdy people, right? We enjoy learning about the psychiatry, psychology, sociology behind leadership. We enjoy learning about these principles of leadership, the different ways that you can lead. For some reason, I love that kind of stuff. So in my bachelor's program, uh, because I'm also, I'm going to business school and trying to finish out that degree program. And uh, I've taken a three-part leadership series in that with different leadership courses. And then of course, in the fire service, we have so many certifications here in the U.S. that we go through that are relating to being an officer on the truck, which all of the time relates to leadership because you're 100% right. It's like we live together inside of a station for 48 hours at a time. We have to like each other. It's it's a non-negotiable. If we don't like each other, it's going to be a miserable time period spending 33% of my life with two people I can't stand, you know, Um, but at the same time, they have to respect you as a leader to know that when it's game time, when the fire's going and you have to put it out, they cannot question your leadership abilities. They have to know he's telling me to do this and I'm going to do it without question and it's going to work. And then at the, you know, the other part of that is you have to adapt your leadership that when you're at the station, you know, there's times where, okay, well, let's change something or bend on something to allow this circumstance to play out to the best of the way that it needs to. And it's not so hard and rigid like being on a fire scene where it's, Hey, this is the command. This is what you do. And that is it. It's here. We need to kind of balance that out between, I don't want to be liaison fair, but at the same time, I don't want to be that authoritarian. I don't want to lead by fear and I don't want to have them dread me coming into the room to ask them to do something for me, you know? So Definitely an interesting topic. I think it's something that I can absolutely apply to my life. So I'm going to have to get that book. Um, But as far as the ideal customer, the people that are coming to you, is it kind of one of those things where they just need to talk to you and see what their specific needs are so you can tailor a program for them? Or do you have a set set of programs that you kind of uh, sell that someone can just say, hey, I want to I want to partake in this program a to help me? 
Yeah, for for the most part, our, our programs are very customized to the individual, and that includes our coaching program. So if it's just an individual coming in, an entrepreneur or someone that's sort of looking to move that path or an individual looking to develop up from a leadership perspective, we put together an individualized coaching program because everybody starts from a different place. And when we consider personality, they have different needs that are going to really support them in terms of their development. And so some people will need more help on one thing versus something else. And organizations are very similar. I mean, we've got a pattern. We've sort of got these core stages, but what we're doing and, and kind of what we're learning and how we're evolving the plan as we work with the client is a little bit different. Um, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, one of the things that Anna and I joke about in our podcast, Dismantling Dysfunction is all about this, is that we specialize in dysfunction. So when we look at organizations and most of our clients who come to us, it's like they're frustrated with some level of dysfunction and they may articulate in it in that frame of, I can't people to get people to do this and I want them to do this, or I spend all my time dealing with this and I don't want to, or so there's something that's going on that's not satisfying for them, but they can't, they don't have what they need to kind of problem solve their way out of it. And that's really where we come in as we help them to understand, you know, the why of it. And that's a big driver behind our work and why we created the striving styles is really why do people behave the way they do? Why do we end up with the dysfunction and dynamics that we do? And how do we develop our way through it? And then from there, we actually can give them the tools, whether it's training, whether it's, you know, doing it with or doing it for, we sort of offer a range of services uh, in and around that. And our clients are in everything from startups through to organizations with thousands of employees and in multiple locations. And But what makes them consistent is they all have an interest in growing towards their own potential personally and or in terms of getting their business to that next stage. I love that. Yeah. I mean, so it's really just, we can help anybody with anything that has to do with this leadership process. Tell us your pain point and let us tell you what you need type thing. And then I, I love the fact that you have all these other resources too. And I want to get to that. I guess last real big question I would have is who do you serve? You know, as a United States citizen, are you able to come down here and help me? Or uh, is it kind of a Zoom style phone call type thing? Or do I need to really be uh, kind of, you know, up north with our neighbors up there to be a good client for you? All, all of the above. We we do um, individual sessions. Um, we we do our leadership programs over Zoom. And what our, our programs are a bit different in, in terms of we tend to do those individualized coaching modules with a, a small group of six to eight people so that each person gets individualized attention and homework and, you know, a chance to practice the development of new skills while building mutual support for each other and, and really bonding over the learning experience as they go through the program. Um, we also travel to all kinds of wild and wonderful places <laughs> to do to to our clients, um, and you know, our next stage and our next uh, offering is going to be doing programs uh, uh, for codependents and um, in various cities in Canada and the United States, both for leaders who are codependent in their relationships with their employees and are having difficulty extracting themselves and really holding their own authority in the relationships um, to, to groups of, of people who want to do it for their own personal and relationship development. Yeah, that's amazing. So what, what I heard out of that was 
You just need a really good company in Hawaii to fly you out there so that you can work on the beach and train them from Hawaii. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's, I'm glad to know that because that means that, you know, people from across the world, doesn't matter where you're at, can benefit in some way. If you're listening to this, you are a potential client. And I would say um, even more than just the obvious fact that we have this show because we want to have people like you on and promote your business beyond the promotion side of it, I think everyone can benefit from leadership training, even if it's not in the sense of at work and using that at work, even if it's just your personal relationships at home, I think it improves there. And then the big thing that I'm sure you'll agree with me on is some people may be thinking, well, I'm not a VP or I'm not a CEO. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm just the person at that company that does XYZ job. I'm not a leader. You know, I don't lead anyone. And it's like, you don't have to have a title and you don't have to have anyone under you. You can be a leader from the very bottom. And if you're at a good organization, first of all, they're going to recognize your leadership ability and appreciate that. And they're going to boost you up or you may be at the wrong company. Secondly, you have the ability to lead anyone, even if it's the janitor leading the CEO through teaching that CEO something. You know, um, I think that I'm privy to that being in the industry that I'm in. It's very easy for me to understand that because often we'll have the brand new firefighter rookie never done this job full time in their life before that can teach us lessons, even though we're seasoned veterans who have been here for a while, hold rank and position. And it's like, I don't need you to lead me and teach me a lesson um, because you're my assistant chief or my battalion chief or someone who's above me. I need anyone that can teach that to me. And beyond that, I think leadership goes much further than just being able to teach people. It's being able to motivate people without any type of incentive and without any type of punishment to do what is best for the greater good. So I I love this. I think y'all's company is great. We're going to be in touch after this show for sure. I want to read the book and, and be more involved. But since we're on that note, how exactly can someone who's like me that's interested in this get in touch with you and stay in touch with you, even if it's just listening to the podcast, ordering the book, you know, just tell us all those ways that we can kind of get involved with Caliber. So probably the the easiest thing, and because Anne and I do have a range of offerings, everything from our podcast to our YouTube channel with tons of resources there, our books. If you check out our website, dranitsaris-hilliard.com, uh, and that has links and talks about the full span of everything we do. There's a co- contact information is there, and that'll give you a place to sign up for our podcast and our YouTube channel and, and all of those uh, other resources. We have tons of great content on our YouTube channel that people can go through just for their own personal development. So if they're looking for more, and we'd be happy to hear from anyone in the audience who's got some questions for us. And all of our books, all of our books are available on Amazon. So just go to Amazon and do a search. Yep. Amazon, man, such a good resource. What I love about Amazon is I'm big on Audible. Um, I love listening to the books instead of having to sit down and read. Not that I don't appreciate being able to sit down and actually have a book in my hand, but um, a lot of times I'll be doing something. I've got my AirPods in and it's like, cool, I can just listen to this book. And that's what like games people play is something that I've read bits and pieces of. I've never sat down and cover to cover read it. I just kind of read what I needed to make it, um, appeal to the people who were learning the lesson that I was teaching for the reason they were learning it, you know? Uh, so I was teaching license to carry courses so that in Texas, you can get your license to be able to carry a concealed firearm. 
And part of the required training is nonviolent dispute resolution. And so a lot of the lessons in there come from that book and just kind of the psychology behind it and how we how we deal with each other, especially in a conflict scenario, you know, so I read those bits and pieces and now I'm like getting to go back and listen multiple times throughout the month to hear whatever parts of the book I want to hear again, the book in its entirety, all that kind of stuff. So I'm gonna have to check it out and see if it's on audible, but I want to get my personally autographed and signed copy from y'all. So I'm going to have to send you some money for that and, and get that route. But um, yeah, I think it's been a great show. I think we hit some awesome topics and I can't thank y'all enough for being on the show and talking about this stuff with me today. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for having us, John. It's been a real pleasure. And I think you're really on the right track with your, you know, both developing up the psychology and, and leadership, because you, you can tell by the questions that you ask and how you ask them, your natural abilities in that, that area. So I look forward to hearing, hearing more from you about your development. I certainly appreciate that. I do, um, you know, humble brag type thing. I get a lot of compliments all the time from listeners about how much they appreciate the questions I ask. And I'm trying to get them more involved to be able to send in these questions and stuff that they may have for our potential guests ahead of time. We're actually looking at going, hopefully by the time this airs, uh, we'll be recording some of our episodes on TikTok Live and kind of giving a sneak peek behind an interactive experience where other people can listen live and then ask their questions as well. Uh, but I do, I do get a lot of compliments on, Hey, you really asked some really good questions. And I think it just comes that I'm a natural, naturally curious person. And I, I like to enjoy, or I do enjoy knowing a lot about the things that I'm listening to, you know, the stories that I'm hearing and the conversations that are being had. I think, as a child, when I had that, you know, hey, this is an adult conversation, go away. It was like, but I want to be involved. I want to know. I want to learn. And I want to feel like I'm valued in the conversation. So I've done a lot of uh, reading and watching documentaries. I'll, I'll be honest. I watch more documentaries than I read, um, you know, because just reading takes up so much time. But I love learning. And uh, it seems so nerdy of me. And they, they do call me a nerd at work. And they're not wrong. Uh, so it's amazing. But thank you all for shedding some light on this from a totally different perspective. Thanks for having us, John. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you as always for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. All of those links that you heard, all the ways that you can support our guests today without ever even having to spend a dime, we're going to link those down below in the show notes. So you're going to be able to see all of that stuff. Please click it, give them a like, a share, a follow, a listen, a review. All of those things go way beyond anything you can understand to helping us as entrepreneurs to uh, boost the things that we're doing for our clients, our customers, and those that want to learn from us. And not only that, but we also have so many other resources available on smallbusinessorigin.com where you can find the guest profiles of our guests today, see all of their links directly there as well. So there are plenty of ways for you to get in touch. If you want to spend some money with them, then hit up their website, figure out that pain point you're having in your leadership abilities or the abilities of your people to act as good leaders themselves within your organization. See what kind of solutions Caliber can come up for you and implement with you in your company. But as always, that was another episode. We're going to see you next week for a whole another episode with a new entrepreneur and a new company. So until then, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.